You're listening to a Healthy Insider Podcast. With Sandy Almendares, Director of Content. Welcome to a Healthy Insider Podcast. I'm Sandy and I'm on site at the CRN conference, which they hold annually. And this year it's in Carlsbad, California, and it is so lovely outside. Um, CRN is the Council for Responsible Nutrition, of course, which is a trade organization in the dietary supplement and functional food space. And I am so excited to be sitting with Steve Mister, the president and CEO of CRN. Hi, Steve. Hi. And we are going to talk about a lot of stuff today, just kind of a, a broad state of the industry. Um, so uh, in real time here, Steve gave a presentation yesterday called the President's Address, where he talked about the disagreements among the industry trade groups on several key topics affecting the industry. So, but, and you, you pointed out it was very important for companies to understand what their trade organizations are actually doing on the Hill or you know, talking with the FDA and what their positions are. It's not just a, oh, this is a line item that I, I know that I write every year. This Just check here, check here, check here. Um, so why is it so important for the industry to really dive into what they're, what they're paying for their, in their trade associations right. to do? Right. Well, you know, I, I think... I, one of the, t- the, I guess, the biggest takeaway I wanted companies to to walk away from that presentation was uh, that you know the the decisions that your trade association makes and the policies that it's that they are pushing forward have real impacts for the industry, and and there are several situations that I uh, you know enumerated in the speech where various organizations in the uh, industry are now actively pushing opposite political agendas mm-hmm. or p- policy agendas. And, and that's not good, particularly for the ones who belong to those multiple associations. You're basically you know, funding efforts that are at uh, odds with each other, and, and that shouldn't happen. And again, I, I want to be sure that people don't take away the, the misinformation that I was somehow suggesting that uh, there's no room for multiple organizations mm-hmm. in the industry. But what I want them to take away from is that the, these organizations need to work together. We need to figure out what are the policies that we can agree on and, and move forward in a way that we show unity. Uh, the worst thing is to go to Capitol Hill or go to FDA uh, and, and illustrate for them that the industry can't even come together on the issue. We can't expect to get anything done if we're fighting amongst ourselves. Right, and I imagine even within companies, people have different stances, so it's a, it's a good exercise to really... That's right. What does the brand stand for and, and to have these hard conversations? That's right, and sometimes they are hard conversations, but uh, companies need to do that and they need to look to their association and be sure they know what is that message that the association is taking forward. Does it align with who I am as a company? Right. And if I belong to two associations and they have very you know different messages, how does a company reconcile that? Right, right. So let's talk about some of those contentious issues among the trade associations. So what is CRN's stance on the mandatory dietary supplement product registry? So uh, CRN is uh, very much in support of a mandatory listing uh, with FDA. Uh, We're in a sort of a unique uh, position because we've had the benefit of our voluntary supplement al for the last two and a half years. So that gives us a, a, a better understanding of how something like this would work. 
Uh, and having done that, we believe that it is it does have benefit for the industry. Uh, that level of transparency is very important to regulators. They keep asking for it. This is a way to let them see into the industry and really start to see the breadth of products there, let them see labels. Uh, and, and then if it's open to everyone, it also demonstrates to consumers that well, there's nothing to hide, that we're not trying to slip things past them on the label. We're putting the labels out there where they can go and they can study them and on, their, uh, on their computers, look at them, make product decisions. So we very much believe that it is something that both industry can do. It's not terribly burdensome. Uh, our experience shows that. And we know that FDA, it's something that they want, and we think it is a valuable tool that would help them better regulate the industry. It's not going to solve all of the problems uh, in the industry, but we think it is a step forward in the way some of the other uh, initiatives that we've done over the years, the, uh, the registration of facilities under the bioterrorism law, the, the adverse event reporting law that we did 10 years ago. These are things that industry can come forward with and demonstrate that, that we want to be responsible citizens and that we're willing to work with our regulators to do these things. So why isn't a voluntary registry enough? Well, the voluntary registry does not have any consequence if you choose not to be in it. And so while we're very proud of what we're doing with the Supplement Al, our members are in, and as well as a lot of companies who are not even CRM members are seeing the benefit of being in the registry. If it's not mandatory, uh, it really cannot uh, claim to represent the true breadth of mm -hmm. the industry. Uh, we also think that having something as, uh, where it's mandatory, if FDA is willing to actually enforce it, uh, it gives them visibility into products that they might not even know were there. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, a voluntary registry, those, those kinds of companies wouldn't put their products in, but under a mandatory system, they would. Uh, and it also gives FDA a mechanism for companies who just refuse to participate in the registry. It becomes an administrative violation. So not being in the registry, but being in the marketplace uh, is it would itself be a violation of the law. And then that gives them a way to police some of these outlier companies that try to hide in the corners and, and would not put their products in. That becomes an illegal act. Okay, great. So let's move. We can, I feel like each of these topics we could have a whole podcast on. But oh, sure. <laughs> so, so what's CRN's stance on a legal path to market for CBD? So we have a very clear view on that too. Uh, what we keep hearing from FDA is that they don't believe they have enough safety data, and they're very concerned about safety. We agree there needs to be more safety data, but the way they incentivize the industry to create that safety data is to show companies that there is a very clear light at the end of the tunnel, mm -hmm. that there is a pathway to a legal product. The position of FDA right now does not create any light at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. because they insist that it cannot be sold under this exclusionary provision in the definition. They can make a decision tomorrow to start a rulemaking that says, in theory, CBD can be a legal dietary ingredient. If they do that, that creates the incentive to do the safety research, and then companies can come to the agency uh, when they submit an NDI uh, notification or a GRASS determination and, and present that safety data to FDA because they know that if they do the research and they can show the product is safe, they're going to get into the market. Mm -hmm. And so I think FDA, by conflating the, the exclusionary piece of, of the, the uh, question with safety, uh, they're really um, disadvantaging themselves because they're not offering the incentive to do the work. Right, right. Interesting. So 
could those two that I just talked about, the registry and the mandatory registry and, and CBD's path to market, could those be combined in supplement legislation in a quid pro quo situation? Like, we'll give oh, you. Do we use that word? Yes. Quid pro quo? I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? So popular these days. Um, but, you know, if a, you, you know, we'll give you a registry FDA if you give us CBD. Sure. Well, you know, that's, that's not a, a uh, totally out of the, the realm idea. Uh, Peter Cohen and Josh Sharstein uh, did write an editorial this summer suggesting that the two should be uh, put together into a, uh, a single uh, legislative proposal. You know, I think one of the, 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 the difficulties with that is the registry, as we envision it, the product listing would be for all products in the marketplace and not just the CBD products. So suddenly now you have expanded this uh, uh, legislative issue, which is creating the legal pathway to market for CBD, mm -hmm. and now you've suddenly made it an industry-wide issue. Uh, so I, I have some concerns about whether something like that is politically viable mm -hmm. to get through Congress. But having said that, we support both pieces of it. We support bringing CBD to market as a supplement. We support mandatory listing. So I guess from a, a pure policy standpoint, we have no objection to that. We just don't think it's a very smart way to combine them because it creates lots of political obstacles that you really don't need. Let's deal with CBD now. Mm -hmm. Let's get that done, get it quickly so that people know they have a clear path to market. And then let's talk about mandatory listing as a separate issue. Okay, that makes sense. So now let's talk about another third contentious um, topic in the, in the industry, probiotics. So what is CRN's stance on global standards for quality, efficacy, and then allowable claims for sure. probiotics? Well, you know, so CRN is certainly a, a trade association very committed to quality. So it's not that we oppose having standards for quality around probiotics. Our concern is that the way the proposals that are being presented at Codex are, are written now they go beyond just kinds of basic issues of sanitation and making sure that the, you're delivering viable live organisms. Mm -hmm. They actually go to efficacy of the products. Uh, and so by, by taking this definition of probiotics as being a live organism that confers a benefit on the host, then the next step is, well, okay, then by definition, you must show that mm -hmm. there is a beneficial health benefit. And then they take it one step further and say, and to do that, you must have multiple clinical trials by nationally recognized uh, you know, clinical uh, investigation organizations. And suddenly, this sounds like a very high threshold to meet to be a probiotic. And when you look at codex guidelines generally for dietary supplements, they're much more flexible, similar to what the FTC does, competent and reliable scientific evidence. This throws all that out the window when it comes to probiotics and says, no, we're going to have a very high efficacy threshold here. And we're concerned that that does not reflect the supplement market. So we're opposing that. And unfortunately, you know, not everybody is. But we're going into the Codex Nutrition Committee meeting at the end of November in Germany. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll be there along with the International Alliance of Dietary Supplement Organizations uh, and, uh, and working to try to uh, push that back and, and convince the nutrition committee that this is not a, an important issue for them to address. Okay, we'll be following that. So how has the relationship between FDA and the supplement industry evolved over mm -hmm. time? I mean, has it become more collaborative? Well, you know, that's a, it's kind of a, a 
momentous question right now, mm -hmm. given that we are celebrating this 25th anniversary of Deshea, right. and that we're looking back as well as looking forward. And of course, we remember the uh, commercials from 1994 <laughs> that yeah. you know had the the jackbooted thugs jumping out of the uh, the SWAT vans and uh, scaling the fences with you know uh, guns and all of that. That was the impression of, of FDA in 1994. Certainly today's FDA is nothing like that. Right. I, we have moved so far in the way of becoming a, a more cooperative relationship. Uh, I think the agency actually looks to the industry now to help solve problems, uh, which would not have happened in 1994. But that's not to say that the relationship is perfect. We still have a long way to go. I think uh, we are frustrated by the lack of enforcement actions coming out of the agency now. Uh, we would like to see them moving quicker, not just on the CBD issue, but resolving the, uh, the unanswered questions around the NDI mm -hmm. guidance, mm -hmm. uh, addressing some of the probiotics uh, concerns that we have for labeling of probiotics and letting us use live organism count as opposed to weight. Uh, those are things that you know FDA could move on. We're, we're in discussions with them over something called certificates of free sale. Uh, they've been saying for several years now that we're going to streamline that process and make it easier for companies to get these certificates so that they can export their, their supplements to other parts of the world. And they just seem to drag their feet. Hmm. So uh, I think the, the bigger frustration with FDA now is not the concern of the, the jackbooted thugs. It's getting the agency to put enough resources to you know, adequately regulate a $46 billion industry. That does take some attention and it takes some political willpower at the agency. Right. So I think that's our concern with FDA these days. Right. So let's go back to that quid pro quo <laughs> reference. So does the impeachment inquiry of uh, President Donald Trump, um, this depending, you know, what's going to happen here, um, does that affect, and the 2020 elections, um, for that matter, does that impact CBD or general supplement legislation uh, boy, in any way? Well, you know, it might be good for supplement sales for CBD and melatonin because <laughs> it's a little harder to sleep at night these days with some of these issues. Um, <laughs> so stressful. Yes, yes. So I get anything that helps with that maybe is good for the industry. You know, beyond that, the the industry really has never been a very political uh, uh, industry in terms of aligning only with Republicans or Democrats. So we have stayed out of a lot of the, the political fracas that's going on. But but what this does, of course, is it does make for a much more polarized Washington, D.C., and it does make it harder to get attention to important legislative issues uh, because of all of the tension around impeachment. I do think that what we're going to see over the next, uh, you know, I guess 12 months moving towards the election, there's going to be some effort uh, for both parties to demonstrate that they're doing something in Washington, that it's not just about a Congress that's mm -hmm. looking at impeachment. And maybe that does help us get the um, ag appropriations bill through that has a CBD rider on it. Maybe it helps us uh, get some more funding to FDA. Maybe it helps us with uh, getting flex spending accounts uh, opened up so that you can use mm -hmm. them for supplements. I, I think there will be some effort to pass some legislation just so they can go back to their constituents right. and say, we did something. Right. Maybe we can jump on some of those uh, trains and bring our issues along with them as they go. Right. Well, thank you so much. I know we covered a lot of ground, but anytime I can get you on mic, I definitely want to, to know, get as much out of you as I can. It, is, it really is an exciting time in the industry. Uh, we're, we're spending a lot of time looking at where we've come from in the last 25 years and how amazing this law has been to open up the marketplace and innovation, but also thinking a lot about where the industry needs to go in the future and what our relationship with FDA needs to be in the future. Right. So uh, I guess it's stay tuned. Right? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Steve. Sure. Thank you, Zandy.
For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. This edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast is brought to you by Supply Side West, 